Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching. Fashion trends. Pep talks where we give advice. Mental health moments. And games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Counseling on the Force Center podcast feed, the show that believes absolutely every single little part of Star Wars is great from a certain point of view. I am your host. My name is Joseph Scrimshaw. I am here today with a fabulous guest, and it is a tiny little shot glass of whiskey. It's very cute. It even has the Rebel Alliance, the Starbird symbol on it, so I am keeping in theme with Star Wars counseling. Thank you, as always, for listening. I was going to say tuning in, but that's not how anything actually works these days. Thanks for listening to Star Wars counseling. It is nice that I can do a lot of different kinds of episodes of Star Wars counseling. Sometimes I do a live episode, like the one uh, previous to this one. Episode 12 of Star Wars counseling was recorded live at Convergence in Minneapolis with my friends Molly Glover and Jeremy Stomberg. So if you haven't heard that one, go back and check that out. The episode before that, the wonderful Jennifer Landa, my co-host on the Force Center podcast feed, along with Ken Knapsack, she was here with me for that episode. And then sometimes I am just alone in my home, possibly not wearing pants. I will let you decide in your mind whether or not I'm wearing pants. I am wearing, apparently, Schrodinger's pants because they may or may not be here. But I'm never alone because I have a little sip of whiskey and you, my wonderful listeners. I'm recording live to tape. There might be some ums. There might be some ahs. There might be some whiskey smacking noises. You never know. For this episode of Star Wars Counseling, we have two delightful grievances. As always, we follow the Sith rule of two, two grievances on these solo episodes of Star Wars Counseling, so you can decide which grievance is the master and which is the apprentice. The first grievance is one that has been sent in by multiple people. I'm sure I have missed a couple other people sending it in, but it has been sent in by two people that I have written down here. Our first grievance I am calling a Darth by any other name. Luke Larson on Twitter at LA Larson uh, 11 sent in quite a while back. How do you reconcile that Obi-Wan clearly calls Vader Darth as if it's his first name in A New Hope? 
That is a good, nice, uh, straightforward concern that I think a lot of people have shared over the years. In fact, Alex Brandt, uh, a patron on Patreon, he sent this question in on Patreon, and he said, In A New Hope. Why does Obi-Wan talk to Darth Vader like his first name is Darth? This comes from the lines, Only a master of evil, Darth, and you can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Nowhere else in canon does anyone call someone with a Darth title Darth and only Darth. Help me understand. Well, Alex and Luke and the other fans crying out in pain, I want to help. I have... A lot of thoughts on this one. This is a grievance that I have certainly considered in my own personal Star Wars fandom, and it is one that I find strangely delightful because there's such a simple answer, and we all know the simple, true, real-life human answer. It's that Darth Vader was just his name, like Bob McGee is a name with two parts. It was clearly just his name when George Lucas came up with it way back in the 1970s. It's like if uh, Luke wasn't Luke's first name and it turned out that George later decided when he made the prequels that Luke is actually the title for all moisture farmers. That would have been even more complicated because what do you do with Owen Lars then and Klieg Lars and Brew Whiteson? Oh, oh, I've opened a can of worms. Instead, I'm going to go back. I'm sorry, a can of space worms. Anyway, get back to the point. Uh, obviously, George Lucas changed his mind about Darth Vader just being a name somewhere along the lines. And to me, as an, uh, a Star Wars fan who had a lot of time to absorb the original trilogy before the prequels came out, one of the coolest revelations of the Phantom Menace when the promotional material started to roll out while I was spending a lot of my life in Target in the toy aisle, feverishly reading the back of action figures and accidentally putting together the entire plot of the Phantom Menace back in those glorious days in the early spring of 1999. It was so delightful when Darth Maul popped up and you realized, holy Sith, it is a title like Professor or assistant manager. Darth is a title, and I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, speaking of Sith, this was also around the time that we learned that this is George Lucas's actual intention of what Dark Lord of the Sith means, is that the Sith are the opposite to the Jedi. Obviously, there had been in uh, other uh, expanded universe stuff, there had been other ideas about what Sith might mean, but this was from the maker himself, George Lucas. Here's what the Sith are. They are the opposite number. They are the evil force users, the opposite of the Jedi, and their title is Darth. You don't want to be rude to a Sith, so you, you will use their title, Darth. Now, that is, of course, what we know to be canon. None of that actually addresses the grievance of how do we make this work? How do we make it work that Obi-Wan is clearly addressing Darth Vader as though Darth is his first name and they're old buddies, so they're on a first name basis with the now established Star Wars canon that Darth is a title. Now, I tried to Google this. This is the thing with memories. Sometimes you can't Google a memory. And if anyone would like to write the song, sometimes you can't Google a memory and send it in to me, I would be delighted. I think it's going to be kind of a, a jazzy saloon song. Sometimes you can't Google a memory. Anyway, here's the thing. I believe that George Lucas at some point said, here's the deal, Obi-Wan is, like, uh, is being sarcastic. Now, I know I've heard and seen other fans making this argument, but I believe I could, of course, be wrong that George Lucas himself said it at some time. And 
I love this explanation. It is what makes me feel better about the grievance that Obi-Wan is just needling Darth Vader. Uh, now, this, of course, only helps so much because it's not actually delivered that way uh, by Alec Guinness in the film. It is not dripping with sarcasm, but Obi-Wan is kind of a chill guy, so maybe he can go just real light, real subtle on the sarcasm. But, boy, being sarcastic, that totally fits Obi-Wan's character, particularly being sarcastic or distracting as a tactic in the middle of a fight that makes total sense for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And we get to see him be plenty snarky in the Star Wars prequels and the Clone Wars animated series. You know, he, he says one of, the, one of the best lines in Phantom Menace, you were right about one thing, the negotiations were short. Or one of my favorite kind of snarky lines from Revenge of the Sith when he says to Palpatine, Sith Lords are our speciality. Look at Obi-Wan Kenobi is, he's a mental fighter. As much as he is a physical fighter, he is a, an emotional combatant. He knows how to poke at people, so he puts them off balance emotionally while fighting them. Uh, and this is, this is a big moment for him, too, that he knows he's facing his old opponent, or his old pupil is now his uh, opponent. He knows that Luke is there. He knows that there's high stakes for the Rebellion. It's a big deal for Obi-Wan, so he wants to use every tool at his disposal. And for Obi-Wan, I think it is very powerful that he does not call him Anakin because we know Obi-Wan has accepted that there is no redemption for his old apprentice. He is only a master of evil. He is not a master of light. He is not a master Jedi. It even kind of works if you accept the sarcasm and the needling as a tactic idea. It really works well with the specific lines that he uses uh, the title Darth because he says it, you're only a master of evil, Darth, and you can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. They're both lines that cast Vader as a failure. And Obi-Wan knows very well what got Anakin to go to the dark side is this pursuit of power. He always needed to be more powerful so he could control everything around him so he would never have to face loss again. He needed to be so, so powerful. And what a great way to attack Darth Vader, to basically say, you failed. You never became the great Jedi that you were supposed to be because you followed the wrong path. Now you are just a master of evil and you do not have access to or even understanding of this great power that I do. So he says both of those things to Sith Lord Darth Vader. And then he basically says, way to blow it, Darth. So from Obi-Wan's perspective, using Darth as a title, to kind of poke at Vader makes perfect sense to me. And I also like it that you never really hear it anywhere else. Because I like imagining that Obi-Wan Kenobi knows not only is it an annoying little thing to throw at his former uh, partner, but he also knows it's just wrong. That's not how people say those words. And he's doing it on purpose to annoy Anakin. It's like, you know, in the real world, if you have like a grammar or pronunciation thing that annoys a friend, like instead of calling a robot, uh, saying robot is robot, you say robot. 
or calling the movie uh, Star War instead of Star Wars. You know, you could do that just on purpose to annoy a friend because you know that those grammar or uh, just rules of speaking bug them. You could walk up to them and say, you know, there are really a lot of robots in Star War. What do you think of that, Darth? And that would annoy the crap out of your friend. So I like it that he has zeroed in on what will annoy this man who used to be Anakin but is now just a master of evil. And it works. I think Vader is annoyed. It makes him feel like a kid to let Obi-Wan just needle him like that. It gets under his skin like sand in a body crevice. It's not Darth, I'm sure, is what Darth Vader is thinking. He's like, that's, that, that's just, that's wrong. Not only is Obi-Wan Kenobi back and I need to end him, and, you know, the last time I saw him, he cut most of my limbs off and let me burn a bit and didn't even put me out of my misery, then just walked away, yelled at me about my brother, stole my lightsaber, and left. Mm. And he's just getting so annoyed because this is wrong just grammatically. It is not Darth. It's never Darth. No one says Darth. You can say Darth Vader. You can say my lord. You can say Vader. You can say Dark Lord of the Sith. Any of those are correct and acceptable, except for effing Darth. And here comes Obi-Wan, all high and mighty, saying my name wrong and implying that I am not powerful. It is a thing of beauty, the more I think about it. Way to go. Obi-Wan Kenobi. So there we have some kind of practical counseling that I think we all know is that it's just one of those things that changes over time. There are a lot of those in A New Hope where, you know, there are things where uh, Luke calls a blaster a gun. At one point, he calls the droids robots. Uh, Han tells him that this ain't like Dustin Crops, even though he's a moisture farmer. There are a lot of little kind of uh, uh, ideas of Star Wars about the galaxy building, the world building building that didn't get uh, solidified until later, and sometimes those pop up, and then they just really don't uh, match up with what is uh, happening later. So, you got that. You got just the basic practical answer. And then you have, for me, the absolutely delightful headcanon answer to this grievance, that Obi-Wan is being sarcastic and using sarcasm as one of the many weapons at his disposal to needle his old pupil. All that said, here is one more answer to this grievance, just for fun. I think Obi-Wan does not want to call him Anakin. Like, Obi-Wan doesn't believe he's Anakin. He believes Anakin was destroyed by Darth Vader. That is Obi-Wan Kenobi's perspective. And he also doesn't want to call him Anakin as a way to torment Darth Vader, because I think that would torment him the same way calling him Darth does. But Obi-Wan doesn't want to say Anakin because he knows Luke is running around the Death Star. Can you imagine that dramatic scene where after all these years, Obi-Wan and Vader face off again. They are fighting with lightsabers. They are fighting with their words. And Obi-Wan Kenobi says, you, you are just a master of evil now, Anakin. And then Luke happens to show up right behind them. And Luke's like, Anakin? That's my dad's name. Weird. See, Obi-Wan, always thinking. Anyway, I hope that helped a little bit. Alex and Luke, thank you both for sending in those grievances, and thank you to everyone who's ever thought that grievance and is listening to this podcast now. That is the first grievance down, and so I'll take a little reward sip of my whiskey, which sounds a little something like this. Ah. 
on to grievance number two. A grievance I like to call Attack of the Droid Thieves. This grievance was sent in by Griff Claypool. Awesome name, Griff. And this was sent in on our Facebook page. And Griff says, something that's always bugged me ever since I first saw Attack of the Clones as a kid occurs when Anakin, Padme, and the droids depart Tatooine for Geonosis. Was 3PO just given to Anakin by the Lars? Or did they pretty much steal him? This is a little plot hole that has bugged me for 15 years, and I'd love an answer to this oddly specific question someday. Well, hopefully Griff Claypool someday is today. Here are some thoughts. This is where my mind immediately goes, because my mind goes to weird places. What are the laws on Tatooine? How does ownership of a droid actually work? Are there papers you have to transfer? I think... Probably not. I think, you know, if this happened on Alderaan or Naboo, we would have lots to talk about. Chandrilla, even. We would have a lot to talk about if this happened in a core world, because I'm sure there are just droid ownership laws and rules. I'm sure there's a whole book or comic book coming out called Laws of the Droids. But Tatooine, as we know, is pretty lawless. It is, in fact, implied that if you want something settled, you maybe go to the huts, even. Uh, And I think the huts probably do not give one single damn about this protocol droid. The huts are droid stealers themselves, so yeah, they're not going to care. So we don't have actual laws to base this on, because I was thinking about, well, technically, that's the first question, is technically, by the letter of the law, was... 3PO stolen by Anakin, Padme, and kind of R2-D2. And we don't have that as a resource. So then we go on to, well, if it was a law, would the Lars have pressed charges? Do the Lars care? And you have to remember, this happens basically mid-funeral for Shmi. Anakin has really only recently returned with Shmi's body. So everyone is in an emotionally vulnerable place when it comes up that Obi-Wan has sent a message and they all need to go to the ship to listen to it. And that's when 3PO actually does get on the ship. We'll get into that a little bit more. Right now, I want to stay focused on the Lars, whether or not they care that their protocol droid that speaks bocce has left on this ship. Now, I think this is the key point to the Lars. Do they know of 3PO's origins? And I have to guess, oh my god, yes, because 3PO talks a lot. And I'm sure Shmi talks with pride about her wonderful son Anakin, who has gone off to become a Jedi. But first, he reconstructed this protocol droid, and that is why they have 3PO at all. So between Shmi's pride and 3PO's constant chatter, there is no way that Kleeg, Owen, and his girlfriend Beru are not well aware that 3PO was reconstructed by Anakin, and that 3PO considers Anakin his maker. So even if they were pissed, they were probably like, well, yeah, okay, that's that's that droid uh, kind of belongs to Anakin, I guess? I mean, it is possible that Klieg was kind of pissed. He was probably like, that. hey, that guy stole my droid. And maybe that's one of the reasons that Owen doesn't want Luke to be like his father, because... His father, Luke's father, is a droid stealer. But then again, in this analysis of whether the Lars care, Owen doesn't seem to even remember 3PO. So either he has a terrible memory, or we have to imagine 
that the Lars family, for some reason, just goes through droids like mad, and they have had 18 different mildly annoying protocol droids who speak Bachi, so he cannot be bothered to remember this one. It is hard to come around to the idea that the Lars were super upset about 3PO leaving or being stolen when they don't even remember the damn droid. Who knows? Maybe this is, in fact, just a Tatooine custom. Maybe when you visit one moisture farmer, you steal their droid, and moisture farmers just accept that. It's like, hey, Steve's coming over. I wonder what droid he's going to take with him, because that's just the way we roll here on Tatooine moisture farmer culture. Mm, Probably not, but that's a fun one to think of. What an asshole Steve is. Anyway, what do we know so far? We know that no law was violated. And even if there was an actual law violated, the Lars are probably not going to charge Anakin. It's not like they're going to say, Clee's going to say to himself, I I know your mother just died, but I'm going to file a small claims court case against you for kidnapping that droid who uh, annoys the crap out of everybody anyway. I'm Clee Lars. I don't think that's going to happen. So then we get into the truly big issue. Uh, in, in this grievance, and a big issue that is hanging over all of Star Wars right now, and that is droid rights. There is a lot of discussion and a lot of Star Wars ter- storytelling about the droids being sentient beings who need and demand respect. You got everything from Star Wars Rebel stories with AP5 to Chopper wanting his damn leg. We got a great passage in Bloodline by Claudia Gray of Leia kind of musing about like, oh yeah, I, I forget all the time that 3PO has all these memories and feelings. Droids are sentient. They have hopes and dreams and desires and fears. And there is a tension there with whether or not all of our other sentient characters are going to admit that about their droids. And 3PO, in Attack of the Clones, pretty much exemplifies this. He basically straight up says it. When he first recognizes Anakin, he calls him the Maker, and he says, I knew you would return. 3PO is clearly expressing his joy and his desire that Anakin would return, would come back for him 3PO would come back for his droid. It calls back or uh, forward, depending on your point of view, to Return of the Jedi when 3PO is making it all about himself and thinking Luke is mainly attacking Jabba's palace to rescue him, C-3PO. In 3PO's mind, I believe, in Attack of the Clones, he believes Anakin came back for me. So the big point here is, I think 3PO wanted to go with Anakin and Padme. We, in fact, don't see anyone actually stealing him, per se, because we don't see him anyone inviting him to leave. 3PO tells them all that there is a message on the ship from an Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then they all go on the ship. Nobody really invited 3PO to come on the ship. He just took it upon himself to come on the ship, and then he could have got off the ship, But he didn't do that either. Anakin and Padme decide to go rescue Obi-Wan, and he just sits down and starts a-chattering. He starts telling R2 he's he's never flown before, which, of course, is for the benefit of us, the viewing audience, who know it's not going to go well for you, 3PO. You're not going to like it, and you're going to be made to suffer. You are going to have several exciting, upsetting adventures in flight. 
and we laugh. We laugh at 3PO's pain. Ha 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 ha. Your pain, 3PO. So technically, they did not kidnap 3PO as much as 3PO is a really obvious stowaway on that Nubian starship. So you could get into a real game of semantics about what does steal mean. I think Anakin and Padme did not steal 3PO. They just flew away with him on board without discussing it with 3PO, the Lars, or anyone. So at most, they're guilty of poor communication. That is my personal judgment. There's also an argument to be made that since Shmi has passed away, by right, 3PO gets passed down to Anakin. I mean, stupid, lawless Tatooine makes it, so we will never know the actual letter of the law. But in the spirit of the law, we can imagine Anakin constructed 3PO out of parts. Reconstructed 3PO uh, is, I think, the, the technical canon these days. But still, 3PO considered him the maker. He was made for Shmi. Shmi passed away, left him to Anakin, and then 3PO, of his own free will, which droids have, if they don't have a restraining bolt, he, 3PO, boarded that ship and boarded a new life of adventure with his maker and his new owner as well, his new master, Padme Amidala. So that is my main answer. It's possible that Anakin owns 3PO by law, and you can't really steal a sentient being that wants to go with you, right? I mean, I don't want to make this sound like a real-world child custody case, because that's just uh, creepy and, and weird. But anyway, I think for Star Wars, you make a droid, the droid wants to go with you, I think that is hard to say that is theft. I am surprising even myself with how strongly I feel about this one that it is not technically theft. Anyway, here is one last bit of absurd Star Wars counseling. If you are at all the, of the mindset to entertain that this is stealing, it's not stealing. It is, in the grand, big, epic scope of Star Wars, not stealing, but borrowing. Because Anakin takes off from Tatooine with 3PO. He is following, technically, Obi-Wan on some damn foolish, idealistic crusade. And he goes off. And of course, Anakin and 3PO have some adventures. Eventually, Anakin becomes Darth Vader. 3PO's mind is wiped, for the most part, even though he remembers little bits and pieces. He goes on having his adventures, and then, eventually, by attacking the Tantiv Four, Darth Vader forces 3PO into an escape pod back to the Lars. So, in a way, Anakin took off with 3PO, and then, at the beginning of A New Hope, Darth Vader delivers 3PO back to the Lars homestead. That is the will of of the Force. The circle has been complete. I was just borrowing this droid for over two decades. Just borrowing for over two decades is not stealing. And maybe, maybe, if Owen had recognized 3PO, he would have looked up to the tattooing sky and said, gee, thanks for returning my droid, Darth. That is... My Star Wars counseling.
for this episode. I found myself strangely passionate about both of these grievances. These were both great grievances, great questions. Thank you so much for sending them in. And please, send me some more. I got a great stock of grievances that I I always go back and check before I do the next episode, but feel free to keep sending me more. Now, they can be logic flaws. They can be just some little line delivery that bugs you. Anything that doesn't sit you right, sit right with you. Anything that you want to feel better about, I want you to feel better. Now, be sure to send them, no matter where you send them, if it's on Facebook, if it's on Twitter, if it's on our Patreon, please do use the hashtag SWCounseling. It makes them much easier to find. We release a new episode every other Friday, and there is much more to come soon. I will be at DragonCon, and I'll record a live episode of Star Wars Counseling right there at that convention, DragonCon. You can find me on all the social medias at Joseph Grimshaw. You can check out my anchor station, Headcanon, and my other podcast, Obsessed. All of that is findable on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can like Force Center on Facebook and follow us on Twitter is at Force Center Pod. You can support our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash Force Center. Our current goal we're working towards is new theme music. We're getting really, really close and soon we'll have new, exciting, but very similar theme music that is not generic for all of our Force Center shows. You can also buy our merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Get those shirts now before Dragon Con and come find me wearing your Force Center shirt and I would be so delighted. Until next time, as Han Solo once said in a moment of brutal honesty, uh, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one, that's it for Star Wars Counseling. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey guys, welcome to Giggly Squad, a place where we make fun of everything, but most importantly, ourselves. I'm Paige DeSorbo. I'm Hannah Burner. Welcome to the squad. Giggly Squad started on Summer House when we were giggling during an inappropriate time. But of course, we can't be managed. So we decided to start this podcast to continue giggling. We will make fun of pop culture news. We're watching fashion trends, pep talks where we give advice, mental health moments, and games and guests. Listen to Giggly Squad on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>